It's like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are always recording remotely because we live in completely different states. So we are uh, we are doing the right thing. We are not together. We are not spreading any potential germs or illness. Um, we are socially distant uh, in many ways. Um, we're both introverts for the most part, too, I guess, kind of. Uh, at least we're socially weird about people. So um, how are you doing today, Corey? I mean, I'm okay. <laughs> It is scary times we're living in, <clears throat> but here at Movie Club, uh, we are hoping to give you some entertainment while you are sequestered away, uh, avoiding the plague, I meant the virus, um, that is currently sweeping the world and uh, terrifying all of us um, in some level or not. And I do use humor to deal with stressful things, so apologies in advance if I say anything that upsets you know that it is me dealing with my own anxieties about the stupid disease that is uh, stressing me out in like every potential way aside from like I don't want to get sick um, there is this weird sense of irony Corey that I'm feeling like oh god I've worked for the last year to like get healthy and I'm <laughs> so like if I die because of the stupid virus I would oh, be no. so mad like <laughs> Like, I don't want to die anyways. That's the whole reason I worked really hard to get healthy. And then, like, for this to happen, I'm just like, come on. Come on now. The world can't end after I, I gave it. Because if I had known it was going to end, I probably would have ate worse. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't. Oh, yeah. Been, steaks like, every day. Yeah. French like, fries? I haven't had French fries in months. Oh, you know? So, <laughs> I I am like, come on Ice now. Cream. but <laughs> Sorry. But, I love food, know, guys. Um. Oh, I mean, that's that's part of the problem, too, is like I, I'm, I'm I fully have gone in on the intermittent fasting started started yesterday. So like mm. I'm only eating between 12 and eight. And now that I'm like home more, it's even oh. harder because I'm just like, oh, my God, like I'm bored. And when I'm bored, I eat. That's why I got fat in the first place. So it's like, ah, this is the worst. Um, and again, I know it's not the actual worst. I'm being melodramatic for the sake of dealing with my own. But you've worked hard for this. For sure. And that's like, I'm I'm debating now if I like going to order like a kettlebell from Amazon or something. Oh, I love like my kettlebell. Well, you know, I use at the gym a lot and I was actually switching to a, uh, a like I was going to bulk up for a little bit with muscle for like six weeks and then go to a cutting thing, partly inspired by Kamel. Um, I don't know if you saw his, uh, he's on the cover of men's fitness, oh, yeah. I think. um, but he did, uh, men's fitness does like a kind of like parody of cribs on YouTube where it's, um, fridge and gym. And like, so they go to like whoever the celebrity or person is and they like show them what they're eating in their fridge. And then they show them like their gym routine while they're doing an interview the whole time. And it's, Kamel's is super charming. It's great. And it's like 16 minutes long. It's totally worth if you're uh, a fan of his, especially. I need to watch that. Um, but we have, we've talked about obviously the virus and whatnot, but this is movie club podcast. It is, uh, episode what four for Phoenix rising. I think, um, this is, uh, the month we are watching river Phoenix movies and one, two, three, four. Yeah, I'm right. It's episode. Four. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was wrong earlier in this, this, uh, month as I completely thought we were doing a, an episode twice, but, um, we're going to be talking about uh, a River Phoenix film called Running on Empty um, for our main review for this episode. Uh, and, man, what a good one um, to kind of talk about. I really uh, am looking forward to getting into it because River Phoenix was an actor that I knew of but really hadn't seen much of his movies before this month where uh, Corey has seen many of them. But you had not seen this one? I own it and I've tried to watch it, but... I don't know what was going on when I tried to watch it because I didn't remember any of it at all. I was like, this is not what I remembered at all. So maybe I'm just crazy. <laughs> yeah. So um, I watched it today because uh, I am on. Um, I'm not on break yet. Spring break for us is next week. But I and I'm also like 
our school is closed as of today, but we switched to online school, um, which was not too hard for us other than some of our students don't have access, but it was a little hard for me because I teach film. And so I had to poll my students to find out what streaming services they had available. Oh, yeah. Uh, scour each of those services for movies that I thought would be in the same subject matter, uh, giving them a little more variety than they normally get, though, because usually it's just like this one movie that we all watch together. So now they get a little bit more freedom in what they choose to watch. And so I use that opportunity to kind of uh, open up the opportunity. Uh, sorry, use the opportunity to open up the door for them to watch the movies they maybe wouldn't have normally picked. Um, and it's within the, the subject that I was talking about, like, uh, Viz Tech, where we just started lighting and sound, and so we were going to start with noir films. Unfortunately, there's, like, no traditional noir films on any of the streaming services for some reason. Oh. There's, like, one or two on Netflix, but, like, Hulu has nothing. Even, like, neo-noir is, like, non-existent on Hulu. Um, and, you know, I have students that only have Hulu. Um, some have access to, like, Xbox or PlayStation, so I had uh, the Burkbuster movies I had left in the office, so if they came to the school, they could check one out. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't know, uh, how, how well it's all going to go this way, but for this week, we're officially in online school. And then, uh, I was working real hard to get that set up last night. Um, and then, uh, next week is spring break. So we're all off, off, um, but you know, stuck at home. And then the following week is, uh, we don't know yet. And that's going to be the kind of big question is what's going to happen. Um, I mean, you know, right now we're tentatively uh, scheduled to start back, but we don't know. And so who knows? Um, Trump's talk earlier today was making it sound like July or August would be the, the soonest that we will see our way through this crisis. So scary times we're living in. Um, suddenly, it kind of came out of nowhere. But uh, before uh, we get into our review of Running on Empty, we do like to talk about what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded? Um, you'd think it'd be a lot, but mine is not. So, uh, Corey, what have you been watching? Also, not really a lot. Um, we have felt a little under the weather. <clears throat> so, I've mostly been watching Unsolved Mysteries because if I fall asleep, it's not a big deal. Um, started watching Annabelle Comes Home yesterday. I like that one pretty well. Uh, don't think that anything's ever going to touch the first Conjuring, but man, after the nun, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I thought that Annabelle was Annabelle comes home was like a plus. Um, also excited for the Conjuring three, which is never coming out because we have the plague. Yeah. Um, I I want to talk about a couple of things before we talk about the review and after I talk about what we've been watching. Oh, okay. Then I um watched two episodes of Westworld. I don't really know if this show is working for me. I usually try to give a show like three or four episodes before I throw in the towel and I've given it four episodes. I think I'll watch the rest of the first season and then see where we go from there because they just released the first episode of the third season I think yesterday. Don't quote me on that. And then yeah I think I've watched a couple episodes of Strangers with Candy and Oh, and we went to see Invisible Man, the last Ooh. movie I'm probably ever seeing in movie theaters. I mean, very pessimistic, I, I hope. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it feels like. <laughs> and now you said that. I had a feeling that this was going to F us over to the summer. And I've just been looking forward to going kayaking and just having fun. And... You know, like, if I don't get to see The National on July 26th, which I'm a horrible wife, and that's my husband's birthday, and I'm going to go see a band that I love and not hang out with him, I'm probably going to cry. Oh. So. Yeah. It's definitely uh, a possibility. We're supposed to see Youngblood on May 3rd or something like that, and uh, oh, I don't yeah. know if that's going to happen. I have shaky knees. Uh, I was supposed to leave April 30th and then come back, I think, the third or something and i just feel like that's not going to be happening it's I'm like surprised. i'm oh, surprised they haven't already canceled it uh dude a lot of the big conventions and stuff have already started shutting their doors yeah and 
I know I already told you, but like Tree Fort has rescheduled until September. Record Store Day was rescheduled. It's supposed to be like kind of in at the end of April, and they've rescheduled that until uh, June, I think. Um, and I was feeling like that wasn't far enough out. And I was supposed to see Elijah Schlesinger yesterday rescheduled. Oh tool on saturday rescheduled they didn't reschedule that one until the day of the show oh man yeah it's like really sad if you keep up with the like these bands and comedians and stuff they're like getting to the venues to do the shows because everyone's under the impression that they're they were going to be happening and then they're canceled last minute and and then yeah i had another made-up band soccer mommy I had tickets to see her in April, and that's been postponed until God knows when. So, it's like the year that you can't look forward to anything. Yeah, no, I mean, we. I guess now we're looking forward to, uh, you know, not dying and or, like, getting to go back out to normal things again. Um, I really hope they are able to come up with a vaccine or, um, you know, a cure sounds unlikely, but, you know, cure would be better. Uh but yeah, um, it, it's there's all sorts of stuff. I mean, officially, Regal Cinemas sent out their email today uh, that starting tomorrow their theaters will be closed. Um, we don't know for when, but they're going to uh, freeze. If you have like Regal Unlimited, they're going to stop payment on that. Um, just suspending our accounts until they reopen. So I like that they did that, and we didn't have to like fight for money or anything like that. But it's still really sad when your favorite thing to do is go to the movies and that you can't and again i understand it's not the worst thing that could actually happen but it does feel pretty crazy well it's because i feel like a lot of us work really hard and we just like to have something to look forward to and i hate the term first world problems because you wouldn't know anything else um true you know so like um and then they push back a quiet place and i don't think we've gotten a re a new release date yeah, I don't think they're going to announce any dates until they know when this is going to get oh, control. Did you? I think you're probably right. Did you see? Because um, I'm sad that I'm missing Emma. That some of the movie companies are Universal so far. <laughs> um, they have three movies they've announced: uh, Emma, Invisible Man, and um, uh, now I'm going to forget. Um, oh, The Hunt that just came out. That, oh yeah, uh, yeah. got short lived. I didn't get to see it. I was going to go uh, tonight, ended up deciding not to. And then I got the email, um, re- decided it was wrong to go. And so I, I was like feeling really guilty about even thinking about it. And then like w- right after the showtime started, I got the email from Regal that tomorrow they're closed, which Kathy's really bummed because she's been looking forward to seeing I Still Believe. And mm-hmm. we chose not to go see it Sunday that we would see it uh, tomorrow. And obviously that's no longer an option. So, um, but uh, there's another Universal movie that's a was about to come out that they've announced and then disney uh disney plus they went ahead and put frozen 2 and um star wars rise of skywalker up on disney plus uh early like much like two months early because i think they were supposed to come out on disney plus in june because um, they were trying to push the blu-ray sales but i guess as like a uh knowing people would probably be willing to subscribe or whatever i'm not sure if it's just kindness or motivated by money but disney added those two movies so yeah a lot of stuff is happening um I think that it's very interesting and kind of great, though, seeing all these companies um, willing to do kind of the things that they're doing and to, oh, I can't think of the word, like, acclimate or, like, I don't know, um, think quickly on their feet and... yeah. Do things they wouldn't uh, normally do. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Throw audibles. No, no. Um, Kathy sent me a, a message just a few minutes ago. Hot Topic has announced that they are closing their stores, but they also noted that their employees will get paid for the time that they're closed. Urban Outfitters uh, did yesterday. Yeah. So more and more companies are stepping up and doing that, which is good. Um, we're going to, it's, it's very likely. I mean, I, I have no information. I, I don't want to act like I'm some knowledgeable economic person, but the uh the businesses are definitely going to suffer uh we are um you know and these the people who have been buying toilet paper or supplies and then reselling them at 
outrageous prices. Oh God, I want to. I, I I really I, I've tweeted about it and it, it's really driving me crazy. And this is not the podcast for like political stuff normally, but um, I am you know please everything be is critical. Yeah, we this is an opportunity to, to for humanity to rally and show that we are compassionate and that we care about each other and that we're not just looking to make a buck off of each other. And man, now's <laughs> the time because people are going to need things. <clears throat> Why are people taking more than they need anyways? And does no one watch like apocalypse movies? Because when it's an apocalypse, if because that's what people are acting like, that it's the end of times, like or end times, like you never stay in your home. You never see anybody in the movies or in the books or in, you know, the shows like carting, you know, a truckload of toilet paper with them. <laughs> just yeah. you know what I mean? They're all nomadic. <laughs> like I just well, don't know what people are doing. I mean the the one exception to that though is uh Mad Max Fury Road where they have like Gas Town and Bullet Town where they've hoarded that town has hoarded that one specific oh, you're thing. right. So I guess we're gonna have toilet paper town in the real world. Um just like T P forts, all the all the buildings will be like you know, toilet paper rolls. Like, have you ever seen like those uh extreme couponers that like have so much shit in their garages that there's no way that they would ever be able to use and everything goes bad like yeah toilet paper paper towels if it gets a little bit of moisture in it mold you know like there are just so many things and it just that's what i like all of these people you do not need 27 boxes of craft macaroni and cheese you say that my daughter would eat that daily and it would be fine um but yeah but not in not in lieu of other people um you know that's take what you need for sure but don't you know or if, if you're taking a lot and you are redistributing to people in need that you're friends with or that your neighbors or whatever that's not what we're talking about we're talking about those people who are manipulating a, a system trying to you know price gouge and make a profit off of this panic and that's freaking evil um but getting back into what we've been watching um (laughs) i watched uh back in time which is a documentary about back to the future and kind of like um you know how it's become this cultural uh, icon from 2015 really enjoyed watching that and um i i just realized i started and i guess i never finished back to the future oh yeah i saw that you were watching it yeah i don't remember maybe i didn't finish it I don't know. I watched most of it and then I had to go somewhere and I didn't, I don't think I ever finished it, but um, I've seen back to the future a billion times. I love that movie. Um, I went and saw the new Vin Diesel movie bloodshot, which apparently will possibly be the last movie I see in theaters. I'm sorry. And that's sad. Um, yeah. Cause it was not great. I, I dozed off at least twice. Um, maybe that's not entirely the movie's fault, but it's definitely more of the movie's fault than not. Uh, I rewatched Wayne's world because I felt yes. like I needed a comfort movie. Um, I suffered through Ricky and the Flash, uh, Jonathan Demme's last movie. Um, oh. Yeah, I uh, it's I didn't, I didn't know this going into the movie, but it's uh, I knew Meryl Streep was the lead. Um, I was very misled about what the story was going to be based on what I remembered from the trailer. Um, and the thing that was really shocking was like the co-star uh, in the band, The Flash, is Rick Springfield. Um, you know who did uh, Jesse's Girl? Yeah, yeah. Uh, weird weird guy is an actor uh looks a little weird too he's definitely had some surgery i think um not it's not like the worst movie i've ever seen but it was it was not great and it was a little tedious um to get through but i was finishing the uh jonathan demi series on for the blank check podcast um so i had to get through it and then uh, i was excited they announced the blank checks next uh the filmmaker that they're going to do their filmography is george miller um, you know, the Mad Max Fury Road comes back. Uh, but I've seen most of his movies except for the Happy Feet films. And I don't know if I can sit through those. Uh, I might just listen to the podcast, which that I've never seen it or that he did them. That he did them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a weird filmography. It's like he did uh, four Mad Maxes, uh, two Happy Feet. And then there's one other movie in there somewhere, I think. Um, it's a very short Babe. filmography. Uh, yes, uh, he did the sequel to Babe, though. I don't think he did the original. I think he did oh, it has uh, Babe Pig and, in the City. Babe in the uh, Babe Pig in the City has both. Oh, okay, he did both. I'm wrong. He did, and I've also never sat through those. Although I hear Babe no. is good. No, it, Chris Noonan did the first Babe. 
Oh, okay. So I lied. I'm sorry. Why is it coming up in his filmography on Google? He might have been a Maybe producer or produce something. It. Yeah. Um, it's uh, there could be anything. I I don't think he wrote it, but um, but yeah. So I've not I've not sat through Babe. I doubt I'm going to watch the sequel. So I will listen to those episodes and just accept what the guys say about it. But uh, the last thing I watched was today. I watched Running on Empty. Um, I was going to watch a movie yesterday. I just got really wrapped up in things. Recorded another episode of Movie Astrology with Matt. Um, we just did. 1992 uh which released already but this we recorded our episode for 1973 um and so that podcast you can subscribe to us anywhere you get your podcast movie astrology um and we also do bamp and uh bamp is bloody awesome movie podcast and we were talking about doing uh because we're both you know sequestered and again we're not in, t- in contact because he's in london um i podcast with people far away from me everybody and um <laughs> We're talking about doing a special mini series of BAMP uh, called BAMP Apocalypse Now, um, where we are watching apocalyptic movies in lieu of the uh, the current crises. So um, we might be doing that over the week since we're we're both a little more free time. Uh, and currently, there's only a four hour time difference because of daylight savings time or whatever the one is that we just did, um, because they have not changed their clocks yet in London. So, oh. Yeah, so like we we messed up our recording. We were supposed to record at four, and uh, I'm waiting for Matt. I'm like, it's four o'clock. Okay, it's four fifteen. Text Matt. I'm like, hey, you send in the link. He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. Four thirty. I'm like, this is not like Matt. He's usually not late. And I was thinking like, he was really nonchalant about my question. And then I remembered that our time just changed. I'm like, ooh, I wonder if their time changed. And I looked, and it had not. And so he was. He thought he had half an hour, and I thought he was half an hour late. But <laughs> we figured that out and had a good laugh. Um, but yeah, listen to those episodes, folks, uh, and look forward to the Bampocalypse now. Uh, that's probably going to be a thing. Um, all right. Did you have something else you wanted to talk about before we get into the movie? I'm um, No. Okay. I couldn't remember if we just went ahead and talked about it. Well, we kind of already did about uh, Regal and about the movies that will be streaming. Yeah, it, it definitely related movie news. Um, who knows what else? We're going to get a lot of announcements, I think. Uh, again, if Regal's closing, I would expect AMC to follow suit. And those are the two biggest chains in the U.S. Um, I know a lot of the markets had already closed, like L.A. and New York. They had closed their theaters already because of how packed those areas are um a lot of film festivals canceled tribeca south by southwest uh, gasparilla was i was supposed to be at gasparilla tomorrow damn um, and uh it was supposed to be uh the premiere movie was the new kamel nanjani and Issa Rae film that the lovebirds i think is what oh, it's called yeah yeah that was going to be our opening night movie like two weeks before it debuted in theaters but obviously not going to happen uh, and that was supposed to world premiere at south by and that got canceled. So this was going to be the world premiere. So Gasparilla lost out because it's a very small festival by comparison. Uh, Tribeca canceled um, or postponed, I guess, is more accurate. Although they have not rescheduled. And yeah, it's going to be a, a crazy. This year is going to look like a, a, it didn't happen. I think when we look back um, in the future, hopefully. <laughs> People have been like sharing like the best of films for 2020. Oh, no, I have not. <laughs> They're so bad. <sighs> what so we've got from this year, yeah, it is Invisible Man easily number one right now, in my opinion. Um, bad Boys for Life is in the top ten, and that shouldn't be. Although it was very good, I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed that movie very much. But, mm. um, but then, yeah, uh, we've gotten movies like The Grudge, um, which was real trash, and Fantasy Island, which was mediocre. Let's uh let's get into one that was pretty decent. I think uh, Running on Empty from 1988 is the movie we're reviewing in detail tonight. Uh, if you've never listened to the show before, we do start spoiler free. We'll give you plenty of warnings before we get into any major spoilers. It's directed by Sidney Lumet. Lumet. I knew it was Lumet and Lumet came out of my mouth. Uh, River Phoenix is the lead um, playing Danny Pope. Christine Lottie, uh is Annie Pope, his mother. Judd Hirsch is his father, Arthur Pope. His little obnoxious brother, who I wish was not in the movie, Jonas Abri, uh, plays Harry Pope. Martha Plimpton plays Lorna Phillips. Uh, Ed Crowley plays Mr. Phillips. And that's the gist of who we really need to address. 
Um, the eldest son of a fugitive family comes of age and wants to live a life of his own is the plot synopsis on IMDb. Movie has a 67 meta score with 17 reviews and a 7.7 IMDb user score. Uh, River Phoenix gets nominated for an Oscar for this movie. Oh, damn. Um, for Best Supporting Actor. And the uh, Best Supporting, or I'm sorry, not Supporting, Best Original Screenplay, or let me read the nomination. Best Writing Screenplay Written Directly for the Screen, so Best Original Screenplay is what it is now called, uh, by Naomi Foner, I guess is how you say it. I learned an interesting fact before this podcast tonight, Corey. Okay. Naomi Foner, or Foner, I'm not sure how to say her her name. Um, So I'm looking at the trivia on IMDb for Running on Empty, and it turns out that the writer, Naomi, is Jake Gyllenhaal's mother. I just saw that Gyllenhaal name. I was like, hmm, yep. what? And, um, so he he did a Q&A um, back in 2016 about, I don't know which movie, if it was about this movie or another movie he was doing at the time. It seems weird it would be South by Southwest for this movie at, in 2016, unless they were doing like a weird retro screening. But um, he was talking about his uh, being on set and like how he observed River Phoenix and um, Sydney Lumet, and I just thought that was a really cool little detail. Um, so, uh, I had never heard of this film um, pr- prior, which is not surprising. It's not; it doesn't seem like it's a film that would get a lot of conversation. But I do think it's one that maybe should be revisited. I think it's uh, very compelling. Um, it's man, the performance from Phoenix is really great. Uh, I also really like uh, Martha Plimpton. For the oh my most part, God, you didn't like her crying. That is correct. I did not like her crying. I was like, uh, I could just, I could just see your face, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't yeah. know, like annoyance. She was very young, so I, I was forgiving, but I enjoyed her for the most part. I thought they had chemistry, which, if the they trivia did. is accurate, they were dating at the time. So yes, there was definitely chemistry. Um, but yeah, she, her. There's a couple of scenes where she's asked to cry, and she just does not have. She does not have that ability to pull that off in this in that moment. I've not. She's in a bunch of stuff though. She's still acting now and everything. But mm-hmm. she's um, in Parenthood. Yeah, I saw that. I've not seen the she show. She marries. Oh, the oh the movie. I'm sorry. Movie. Yeah, she uh, is Keanu's. And she's in Goonies apparently, which I. I, I vaguely remember there's two girls in Goonies. I don't know which one she was. I don't I've only seen it once. We watched it together a while back. But yeah. But um I like this. Uh I, I definitely enjoyed it. I do think it's a little long. Thank you. I was like, I'm gonna say that, but I always say that. Yeah, it it, it felt like I was like, okay, we could probably trim ten. It was two out. hours long, right? Yeah, and it, it really didn't need to be. There's a few scenes that feel um like they're just padding it out. Like they're not really functional. They don't do anything. They don't add anything new. Um, even like there's like some little things. Like uh, I don't want to get into spoilers, but there's a part where like a character gets mad at another character, and we have to watch that character follow them for way too long. It's just like we don't need to see all that. We get it. They're mad. Like let's move on. Like we don't need to see the entire thing play out. But um, little little things like that could have been left on the cutting room floor. But uh, I, I've enjoyed every movie we've seen with River Phoenix so far. Um, or at least I've enjoyed him. Like, Sneakers, we, we didn't love, but I didn't dislike it. Um, but, man, I I am really impressed with how good of an actor he is. Especially, I thought this movie was a really, really great showcase. Um, I think Stand By Me is the is a, like, brilliant showcase of his overall range. Especially as long as, like, young as he was at the time. Yeah. Yeah, and he's still pretty young in this movie. What this is like two years he was later. Like, I think he was nineteen in the. Uh... Yeah, but man, he's there's so many little things, and then there's in the IMDb trivia there's some cool stuff. Um, again, you never know if that's how accurate those things are when they're like behind the scenes and stuff. But um, I just really, I really enjoyed Phoenix in this film. I, I do like Judd Hirsch. Um, he's not great in everything, but he's often very reliable. Oh, that's where I first knew him. He's the he's Jeff Goldblum's dad in Independence Day. Um, but I I love Ordinary People, um, which was eight years before oh, this movie. Oh yeah, and he plays the therapist in that, and really really good. Oh, he's in the Hunters, the Amazon TV series. I've not watched that, but um, 
yeah, I, I like him uh, anyways, um, but I really thought he was good in this. He gets a few kind of over-the-top melodramatic moments, but still, like, enjoyable for the most part. Um, Ed Crowley as the teacher. I, I again, movies where teachers, like, take an interest and help someone who's maybe going under the radar, like, fulfill their uh, their ambition and find their dreams and find their passion. That's something I... It's kind of like a, a checkbox for me. If a movie has a teacher who's like that, it's probably going to click for me a little bit. And it happened here because, you know, he, um, I mean, we haven't really, we, we read the premise, but the movie starts out really interesting because we see uh, Danny at baseball. And, um, you know, he's like, he's not, he doesn't seem super excited that he made the starting team, uh, which by the way, the other guy who is <laughs> uh, like talking to him, if that guy's voice is not dubbed over there, I, I just, I could not hit the way he sounded and the way he looked did not click for me. I'm like, those are, that's not his voice. That's somebody else's voice coming out of that, that kid. There's no way that's his voice. It did not sound like him at all. To, like it did not sound like it was possible for that voice to come out of that kid's mouth. Um, and even later when you see him like interviewed on the news did not seem like <laughs> the same voice to me. I'm just like, what is happening? But um, we see him play baseball and then he's on his way home and he, you see like cops or you see cars clearly like looking at him and he gets wind of it and he he goes around the back and right away you, you can tell he's he's done this before this is not his first time like eluding police officers or whatever you don't have details yet but it becomes clear later they're on the run from the feds because uh his his parents did something in protest uh in the like late 60s um i don't know how much of it would be considered a spoiler i can't remember where in the plot we learn exactly what they did to be uh well, I guess it's pretty early. It's right after they escape this this time. They escape this time. Uh, they give up their, their house, their lives, and they are on the run. And it's clearly not the first time that it's happened. Um, the, his younger brother, who I really don't think needs to be in this movie, by the way, um, is uh, complaining about it. And we, River Phoenix tells him what, he, what they did. And, like, the kid seems, like, shocked by it, but also, like, that he's done this before. So he's not entirely shocked. Maybe he just hasn't been given this information. He's not a great actor, to be real. Like, that kid just... And he's only in two movies, so he must not have thought so either. But, um, yeah, and so it's a really interesting premise because you have these two people who are, from the government, they're viewed as criminals. And I think from our perspective, we're supposed to see them as, like, heroes who did something risky that had a... Not a full casualty. The person didn't die, but they blinded a security guard. Um but when they uh, set fire to a chemical lab and protest the Vietnam War. And it's an interesting premise because like you have them who are like, there are these hippies who are now like parents who are trying to give their kids a normal life, but they can't because they're on the run. They're having to fake their identities. Um, and then you have this kid who's uh, part of moving town to town and trying to keep a low profile is that he's never been able to shine in anything. It kind of reminds me, of uh, Dash in Incredibles, um, you know, because Dash wants to like run or play football, but he can't because then his powers will show and then they'll be in trouble. And mm -hmm. that's this kid's this talented pianist and he can't perform because that puts him, you know, in the spotlight. And then the like people want to know who his parents are and then they're in the spotlight and then they're going to jail kind of thing. So it's this really interesting dynamic right away that the plot uh, sets up. Um, but I think works as a story in a lot of ways and because river Phoenix is able to carry the weight of that. Like he's quiet yet. He's outspoken and he's kind of got like two sides where he's, you know, um, and Martha's character calls him out on it. And I like that whole conversation. He's like, I'm not, I'm just uh, polite, you know? And it's like, yeah, that's true. He is polite. And I like that about the kid. Um, I don't know. I really, I, I, I clicked with this a lot. It was it was hard to give it 100% of my attention because there's a billion things going on today. Um, like, I have office hours right now, too, for my, my high school. Like, I have to be available from, like, 1230 to 230. So if a student needs, like, a video conference or something with me, I'm available. Um, so, like, that had me on edge, too. Like, I didn't want to miss anything. So, uh, and the only reason I didn't watch this last night was I was up late making lesson plans that took way longer than I had intended it to do. Um, so I wish I'd been able to give my hundred percent attention. I was able to give like 85, 90%. And 
and it's still uh those moments were really strong i'm looking at the poster and i really hate that there's like a wanted by the fbi stamped on it because it looks it's a little 80s cheese on in my opinion also note that the little brother is not in the picture of the thing. <laughs> he was added in at the last minute. They're, they're like, he's he's awful. Let's not include him. Uh, I want to talk about him more in spoilers because, uh, man, all right. Uh, sorry, I've talked a lot. What are your thoughts on this film for? No, I thought I liked what you had to say. Um, I like uh, when we see things from like ooh, these different perspectives. You know, uh, maybe they're not necessarily right, or I don't know. I feel like all sides of the story need to be told, though. So I appreciate when we get to see them because it doesn't happen often. You know, we we usually just get these stories where these people are villainized. You know, from like we would have been like the FBI agent chasing them rather than the people on the run. Yeah. Um, yeah like you yeah um and i feel like even for as long as we've been doing this i can only think of this movie and rudderless really that Ooh, that's an interesting comparison um i wouldn't have thought to go but that is that is uh we can't say much about either without getting into the plot of rudderless but we did do an episode on that so if you want to go back listen to that go listen um and check out that movie because it's interesting. That's one to just buy. Yeah, it's one. I don't know that everyone will like the movie, but I think everyone will like the music because the music is amazing in that movie. But um, mm-hmm. and I, I think Anton and um, Billy Crudup. There it is, Billy Crudup. 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 Uh, are both doing really great work. Um, that's probably my second favorite Crudup performance. Like I, I'd have to put uh, Almost Famous over Rudderless. Oh, but yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, but man, I, I love him in that. And he's good in Jesus Son too, obviously, but uh, it, not as many people have probably seen that movie, but I got to see it with him sitting two seats away from me. <laughs> I love um, it. <laughs> one of my favorite things. I can't uh, be around like famous people. I'd probably just die. Yeah, that, I, I took awkward pictures of him like with trying not to like be obvious that I was taking pictures of him because I was like, oh my God. Um, anyways... <laughs> uh good good call though on that um I, and i mean there's movies like uh what is it um the catch me if you can where you're uh you're both you're with tom hanks and with leo but leo is the protagonist and he's on you know he's playing a, a criminal uh, fraud artist a con artist i con artist seems wrong because he's not always he does con people but he also is more about the fraudulent checks um yeah but I haven't you seen know that's that, so long I 2016 it was what, like the first couple of months I saw it right before I saw the Revenant because I had never seen it and I was doing like I had just started Burke reviews and I was doing a bunch of Leo stuff because um, I had missed a lot of his movies um, like even What's Eating Gilbert's Grape no, oh. sorry I said that weird um, his I said it like he had a grape and someone was eating it um, uh, I had seen it as a kid but I had not like watched it as an adult so I went back and rewatched it. Um, and then, like, uh, that movie, uh, there were, like, two other DiCaprio films that I had not seen at the time that were, like, big that I'd missed. And uh, Catch Me If You Can was one, because obviously working with Spielberg and Hanks, that's a big movie for me that I had never seen. Uh, before, who has but... coronavirus right now? Hanks. Yeah, yeah. and his wife, And Rita. his wife, Rita Wilson. Yeah. Uh, I heard, I, I did not see it. My daughter told me Idris Elba uh, was diagnosed yes. with corona as well. He posted that on uh, Twitter earlier. Man, it's everybody. And it's probably because they have all these people working on these movie sets. I don't really know that. I'm just making assumptions. It seems like a logical conclusion. Um, there's a lot of people on a, a film set. Uh, and, I mean, this is it's a good time to reevaluate, uh, you know, like how we treat people when they're sick. Because I feel like in our oh. country that if you are um, – in fact, I, I – can, if I don't call in sick to work for a semester, they just started this. I get a bonus. Um, so there's motivation to not call in, like because I know how I'm not going to say how much it is here, but I know how much the money is, and I'd have to be really sick to give up that amount of money. Um, and so, uh, w- with that or like, there's a lot of jobs where you get points every time you call in. Yeah, my so, job. Like, if you get, 
you get too many points, you get fired. So it's like they encourage and, and almost require you to work when you're sick. And that's how things like this spread. And then more so, um, most people who are, I, I went until I was hit by a car at age 11. I had never gone to the hospital outside of getting my vaccines. And that was like, no matter how sick I was, we did not go to the hospital. The only reason I probably went to the hospital when I got hit by a car is because they picked me up in an ambulance. Um, I would not go to the doctor again, like other than for that one, you know, that stint of when I was hit by a car for the follow-up stuff. I would not go to a doctor again until I was uh, 19 or 20 and had insurance on my own because my mom uh, was a bartender. So we never had insurance. Um, Same reason why I never went to a dentist because we did not have insurance. So I did not go to a dentist. Really? I went once when I was like in my twenties and I was too afraid having never been to the dentist and only hearing horror stories from movies and TV that I would not go again until about seven years ago. And finally got like, I had nine teeth had to be taken out of my mouth because of all the, the neglect. Um, and so I, I feel the pain where a lot of people won't go when they're sick because they don't have the copay or they don't have insurance. And so it's like if you're sick and you need to get medical imaging done or further test, and then you have to pay for all of that out of pocket yeah. until you reach your ridiculous your deductible. Deductible, and a lot of the and some of that's not even in your insurance. Like there's certainly MRIs and stuff they won't cover, or the insurance won't approve because they don't they they want like every bell and medical necessity. Tech. Yep, and so you know there's a lot we need to reevaluate as a society. I. I'm with you there, and I hope that that is something good that comes out of this. I I get sick a lot. Like, I get really sick, like, three or four times a year, and I'm down for the count for, like, a week. Yeah. And I get points at my job. And it's like, I'm glad that I work at home now because I get sick less. I used to get sick even more. But it's just hard, and it's true. You get punished, or you get rewarded for not calling in sick, and it's... Yeah. And, I mean, I, and I, I pride myself on working sick. Like I, 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 even when I was in high school, I missed one day of, uh, I'm sorry. I missed two days of high school in the four years that I was in high school Dang. and neither of them were actual sick days. One was senior skip day, which I only skipped because every other senior was skipping and I felt obligated. Oh my God, to John, get out of here. And <laughs> I literally stayed at home. I did nothing. And then, um, in freshman year, my uncles took me up North to Tallahassee to see my, uh, to see my aunt, who was at Florida State at the time, and she had bought us tickets for a game. So that was oh. the motivation for us to go. So I missed one day then and one day senior year, and otherwise did not miss a day of high school. Was definitely sick many times. And uh, and again, I'm, I'm not bragging now as much as I'm like, look at the culture we've established was that you don't yep. miss work because you can't afford it. You know, and that was my mom instilled that in me because, again, she was a bartender. So if she didn't work, she didn't make money, which is the big fear a lot of people have right now for all these restaurants shutting down, understandably. But those people were already making probably living day to day and now aren't getting nothing day to day. So, you know, we, we're in a we're we somehow keep coming back to this, but it's obviously what's on our mind. No, well, I can't this movie. stop thinking about it. And yeah, like I want to swear off freaking twitter until after this is all over because i just can't and all i can feel is everyone's panic i'm going to tell you though don't uh don't stay off twitter in fact i think um what we have to remember is that uh as much i'm a journalist like i went to college to be a journalist let's be more accurate um, and I was throughout high school and college, I was uh, I had a romanticized view of what journalism was. And journalism is not that anymore. We it, journalism is capitalistic. Um, it, it survives solely by ratings. And so clickbait on the Internet and yep. uh, sweeps weeks uh, in the old days for, for broadcast. Um, and obviously print is dying, but is desperately clinging to that same formula of clickbait. So they, they go more tabloid style with their, their stories. Um, ultimately the point of everything I just stuttered through is that you can't fully trust any news outlet right now. And sensationalizing this is part of what we've seen. And at the same time, that's what makes it so scary is that some, some reporters are acting like they have information they do not have. 
um, I, I really do think John Oliver is, is the best coverage for a lot of that stuff because he, while he'll make jokes and he does, he still needs ratings. Um, he, he gets his ratings not by sensationalizing the news as much as making fun of it in its own right. Um, but uh, I also don't think any of them, are, including Oliver, are solely reliable. But social media um, allows us to see what's happening in, on, a, on a more one-on-one scale. And while I think sometimes that is bad, because again, some people put stuff on Twitter that they think they know and they don't. Um, it is a way for us to, to keep us informed because there are events in history and, and, uh, and there's tons of fictional stories that uh, kind of parallel that of humanity or the civilization being sequestered and isolated from each other and then things go way wrong uh corrupt officials take over government regime changes etc um so if we're going to be isolated physically we need to stay connected uh virtually and i think twitter and uh the like are important tools and podcasting um because the those of us out there a lot of us who do podcast podcast remotely anyways so we all have our equipment in our our little offices our little rooms in our houses uh don't silence yourself right now um you might think oh there's more things that are important and again this is a movie podcast and we keep talking about this but you know this is my platform right now and i i don't know that i'm right i I just know that i've i have always tried to follow law and my law is not solely the ones written in our constitutions and our, our local governments, but also like the moral law and um, compassion for humanity is something that I've always uh, been driven to. And what drives me crazy is when I watch people and I'm not necessarily talking about like charities and giving up, you know, your uh, every dollar you have. And if you do that, I'm not judging you in one way or the other. I'm just saying that's not what I mean. I'm s- simple compassion. Like, oh, I'm driving safely because I don't want people to die uh, because I was driving recklessly. You know, things like that. Being conscientious of others. And right now, we need that more. So, Corey, stay on Twitter as, as painful as it can be because I get what you're saying. Um, my Instagram feed has made me I, – I am – experiencing levels of hypochondria that i've never experienced oh my God, right do i need to get tested for coronavirus every five seconds i'm COVID-19. like 19 did you know, i cough is this anxiety that i'm feeling in my chest or is this a respiratory issue you know like i mean um it, it's legitimately been like i'm so paranoid and kathy uh her nose started stuffing up and uh, i'm like oh so hell no girl <laughs> get to the other from what i've read uh online it it, it's recommended that you don't go like to the er because again if you do have it and you're sitting in an er you're giving it to anyone who's there maybe not for that like they broke their leg now they've got coronavirus i understand and there a lot of doctors offices are telling people to stay home instead of coming in but they most of those places should have face masks and other types of uh things in place and ready to go because i'm sorry if you're if you're not able to breathe and if you're experiencing shortness of breath like that please yeah. go to the hospital because that's, that's different if, that, if but it's that's at that one level. of the symptoms you're right you're right but they're like because i think so many people are being paranoid like myself um and not necessarily experiencing those actual symptoms but like you're feeling you know do I feel like I have a fever? You know what I mean? Like there's those little things where it's hard to tell. And that's my fear is that I will downplay something because that is what I've always done. Yeah. Mostly um, because I'm going to work or whatever. So now I'm afraid that I'm going to downplay it and then miss it. And it'll be too late before I get help kind of thing. And what I read though, is to call your general doctor and he's supposed to like he or she would go over some things and tell you whether or not you need to come in to be tested. Um, I don't know. Now, th- to me, that's going to depend on how knowledgeable your doctor is on what's going on, which not even insulting, like from what I'm gathering, there's like the testing, there's issues with how they're testing and things like that. So I don't know. It's scary. It's all stressful. And that's all I keep thinking about. And I hate it because it's making me more stressed out. 
um, which is making me want to eat, and I can't until 12 o'clock tomorrow. So I've got 13 hours to go before I can have any kind of food, and it will be... Well, I think you're doing great. Yeah, you know, I'm trying. And that's, I'm at that point now where it's like, I don't want to not go to the gym. Well, I... I also feel like I, I shouldn't, and I, I hate that. Like, I, I'm so conflicted because <laughs> I... I've spent a year drilling myself into this, like, don't miss the gym. And now I'm like, you're supposed to miss the gym. And my body's like. It's not worth dying over. I say. And there are people that have been really sick for a long time, like two months. You know, it just keeps hanging on. And I just don't think it's worth it. Please just order a kettlebell. You'll love it. No, I mean, I use the kettlebell. I already know I love it. I don't love working at home because I know me and it. Oh, I love it. I, I I need to get out. Like, the gym is like... I don't know, it's the same thing. Like, I can give my my 100% attention to a movie in the theater where I struggle to do that at home. Um, mm-hmm. It's the same kind of idea. I need, like, my little threshold... Uh, which, whatever, that's not even the right word. I need my little area that is dedicated to what it's for. And, yeah. you know... Um, also, cause I was, I mean, I can do any workouts as exercises, exercise, but I'm trying to like, I'm doing specific things now. And so like, I don't like that either, which again, I understand we're all having to make a lot of sacrifices. I get that, but man, I really, I, I don't want to fall back into who I was. And again, like, cause I am still, I'm optimistically thinking there's going to be a future, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so I don't know. Let's, uh, Let's finish up. We're running on empty. Let's go to spoilers. Uh, Corey. Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about this movie in great detail. You have been warned. So, here's the deal. The little brother. (laughs) I love that this is the first thing. Yes. They keep him at the end of the movie. Well, they're going to keep him until he's older, and then she's going to turn herself in. Maybe. But. That's what she said to her dad. I feel like, well, she was ready to turn herself in right then. And she, she said to the dad, like, you know, I have another son, blah, blah, blah. And he was already kind of like, well, I don't even know if I want Danny because I don't really know him that well. He straight up didn't give a crap about Harry and or Steven, depending on which name we're talking about. Um, but I, man, that kid didn't like him. Didn't like him at all. Uh, I feel like we need to talk about how shitty they were that they left the dog. Why did they leave the dog? There was no reason to leave the dog. Yeah, nope. And but, apparently they'd taken the dog before. Yeah, they've they've had that dog for a long time. They had that dog trained. Like, really, really trained. Like, he went and rescued, like, got the little brother out of the house and stuff. Took the shoe in. Yeah. Yeah, for gumshoe. Okay. But I really, I did like uh, the end, except it felt like those moments where like you're like telling the dog like get I, I can't be your owner anymore get out of here <laughs> yeah. you know? um i didn't think about that <laughs> it it felt a little bit too much like that um but judd hirsch i think does a good monologue and it's very touching um and danny's clearly because uh, river phoenix is such a good actor he's clearly broken by it but also like hopeful but afraid you know like you see all of those emotions like this is what he wants but he also does love his family um which i you know oh man there's so many interesting themes in this film because i do think that arthur is selfish about his family but i also get why yeah that's the dad but i also get why he's selfish about his family you know um he's lost he's lost everybody else this is literally his whole world and he knows that once they split apart it's basically goodbye forever well and, it, yeah oh no i, I mean that, i just you can jump in i i just really i think that's i i connected with that and that they will probably never see him again um so it's like and it's like well you've done this to yourself but how could you possibly know all the repercussions and all of the things that you would be affecting, I guess? Well, and it is that, like, they're, they're made a little less villainous, at least for us, because they didn't know 
that the security guard was there. He was not supposed to be there. Like it was one of those, you know, circumstances where they thought they were just blowing up a building, which is bad, but it goes from like harming a person being much, much worse. And so their, their intention was good, but their actions were bad. And now they are constantly on the run and it's, it's a stressful life. Uh, It's definitely not a place they should be raising a kid or importantly, having another obnoxious little son that you have to, place in scenes that otherwise would be so great like the the birthday scene is so charming and when um the song comes on and and martha plimpton starts dancing with the dad and then like river uh river phoenix starts dancing with the mom like i just thought it was a really sweet scene but then there's this obnoxious little kid like playing air guitar in the corner like you know like doesn't need to be there it ruins the scene uh what was his purpose in this movie to be obnoxious every few scenes like but like was he supposed to be like the comedic relief i mean yeah i guess i don't know i mean that's probably the closest thing that he does and he's not super funny or anything like that and it's again it's not even like the kid as an actor it's it's the character the character is the obnoxious thing um it it seems like I, i guess maybe it's supposed to make us question their judgment because they had the kid clearly after they were already on the run um so it's like maybe not the best call to bring another kid into this environment that you're already struggling to get through. I mean, obviously maybe it wasn't planned or whatever, or, you know, they're trying to live as normal of a life as they can. I keep staring at this picture and I was like, the, the little brother's not in this family portrait that is clearly like taken at the time when they're in this. So it's poor kid. Um, not even good enough. He's probably take like, here you take the picture. Um, but yeah i i he was the i think the worst part of the movie um love river phoenix so freaking much um in this film and i really liked i liked the connection with uh with martha in the film i i thought there was really strong um connection ah that was one of those scenes that i was talking about though when he kisses her for the first time and it's like way passionate like it's very very clearly they're into each other um, and then he kind of says, we can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And she gets all mad and walks off. And then, like, we follow him, follow her home. Like, it's like, oh, nice my God. Guy. No, I, I, I get that. <laughs> like, but yeah. I just, it's such a long scene. And it's like, oh, my God, we could have edited this down, like, where we don't have to see every step along the journey. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I love the scene where he tells her everything. When he, like, reveals all of it to her. Again, she doesn't cry well. Um she doesn't cry well later in the movie when he tells her goodbye because he thinks he's leaving uh that man she just can't cry um well at all which again she's a kid in this film so maybe she's better at that now and i to be fair i've never thought i don't think crying on cue is easy like i'm not that that's not the perspective i take on that i know i criticize crying a lot i just want to clarify i don't think it's easy but i think um some look real bad and i don't mean like distracting beauty and yeah it can break you out of the film where it's like okay you needed to do something different than that or sometimes it's the filmmaker's fault like in the fifth wave uh there's a scene where chloe grace moretz has to cry and like they do a full-on like extreme close-up where there's clearly no tears and it's like dude if she can't cry do shoot it from a long shot like don't zoom in on the fact that she can't do the thing you're making her do and that's that's so sometimes it's the filmmaker like you got to work with the actor that you have if they can't cry you got to change your shot you can't go with the long shot or the the tight shot and then um sometimes i think it's an an acting choice like claire danes and her goofy cry and then um you know sometimes it's just just, she cries jeez and sometimes it's just not no it's not it's there's no way anybody cries like goofy uh refuse to accept (laughs) that um (laughs) And then uh, sometimes it's like this one where it's not like it's not so bad that it's distracting. But like when you look at the rest of the performance, like, oh, this is where they struggled. And again, um, I don't think it's a bad performance collectively. And I don't think your crying is like awful. But during the, the last scene, I was like, oh, you can't quite get there. It's like this is like the emotional crux and you're you're not going to nail this. And that sucks because it, it, it really needs to be perfect. Now, Phoenix nails it. Like he brings the tears perfectly. Um, even again, just look 
the still on the letterbox like banner photo is the dad like touching him i think right when he initially says you can't you can't leave you have to be with us and then he later reverses that decision again another senior is like did he have to do both we already knew the dad's take do we need a scene where he says no probably not especially again because this movie does feel a little on the long side it's a little Um, it's really melodramatic the, the the probably the part that could be cut out completely is the uh the friend that shows up um that well, like, first he shows up at the the office she works at good you go ahead and then i'll talk sorry sorry uh i mean so he shows up at the office and then then they're at the house and he's like clearly there's some kind of like sexual tension between the two of them and he starts to rub her foot and then they get all freaked awkward. out when the husband walks in yeah um and then we find out like he's there to like make him do a bank robbery, and it's like, I don't know if that's that doesn't seem accurate. Like if if they're helping them hide, why would they insist that he do a bank robbery? You know, like that just feels very fabricated for the movie, and it I don't think it it really, I don't know if it serves any function in a good way. Like, is it, one it implies that the organization that they were working for is is a villain right like it isn't a good thing like maybe they did know that the security guard was there and they lied to to arthur or whatever to me it seems like it might have changed no they they say that it changed that it uh to to make a change you got to do something more than what we used to do kind of thing and that's again the um i don't know it seems like an odd moment and it, it doesn't really go anywhere it just becomes like a newspaper clipping later and it's um, it it allows him to get drunk for like a scene where he's just bl- blabbering about who he really is, and it's like okay, I guess. Um, like yeah, we're, that's definitely where the melodrama really comes into play, I think. And I felt like the scene where the dad is mad at everyone in the kitchen when he yeah. finds out about Juilliard. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess um, that scene is also not great. I agree. Uh, yeah, so we've watched, uh, this is the third Sydney Lumet film that we've watched. Um, is it? We watched 12 Angry Men. Okay. And we watched Network um, for uh, back episodes, which I like Network. Uh, you did not. Not my favorite. Um, I don't think I love Network, if I remember correctly. I like parts of Network a whole lot. And then... Um, 12 Angry Men, I think we both loved. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sounds like we both like uh, this movie, but maybe not as much as like 12 Angry Men. But um, I definitely, I love River Phoenix in this film, and that is why we're watching it. So I am glad about that. Because Sneakers, he's not in it much. And I I got a pretty strong vibe he's not going to be in the next movie very much either. Um, it's more of an ensemble-y type performance. So, oh, yeah. Uh, in a way, I kind of wish we'd ended with this one, but um, I am glad. I'm definitely glad we picked this one because I, I enjoyed it very much. Hmm. But I'm also kind of excited to see him in a more comedic role. Me too, and the, I actually the, that movie sounds really interesting to me. It doesn't have the best overall like ratings and stuff, but um, I like Kevin Klein, and I just watched, uh, as I mentioned, Ricky and the Flash, which Kevin Klein is in. Um, so I'm hopeful for that too. Where is it? There it is. The uh, the box art varies dramatically for I Love You to Death. Uh, this looks like a different movie than the, the one I bought um, kind of thing. Like, that's how different it is. But um, anyways, uh, that's our review of Running on Empty. I, I got nothing else. Is there anything else you want to say about the movie? Mm, no. Then time for our rating. I am going not quite golden. I, I enjoyed it enough that I feel like it's deserving of that fourth like the four star type rating mm. i'm always torn i'll go not quite golden leaning towards a decent watch i can accept that um so with that in mind uh we will be concluding phoenix rising uh next week with i love you to death a movie that stars Kevin Klein, Tracy Ullman, River Phoenix, um, Joan Plowright, William Hurt, Keanu Reeves, which is so cool. Um, and it has a six, 
uh, 6.4 IMDb user score, but a 45 Metacritic, but only 13 reviews, so it's not been uh, super overdone. Uh, directed by the, and interestingly enough, Lawrence Kasdan, um, who's done some good movies uh, and some bad ones, apparently. Because <laughs> um, he directed uh, Stephen King's Dreamcatcher, which uh-huh. I hate. Uh, apparently, so does Corey. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, um, Kazan is the writer on a lot of Star Wars movies, and that's uh, Solo being the most recent one, but he also helped with Force Awakens. And um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah, episode, uh, all, all the original trilogy, um, well, the I'm sorry, Empire, which is the most important one in Return of the Jedi. He did not write on the original Star Wars. But so Kazan, good writer, um, sometimes. So I'm interested to see uh, how this works out. Um, for I love you to death. Again, I like the cast a lot. Uh, so I, I'm intrigued to ch- check it out. We did buy this. We actually found this on DVD um, for a dollar, and so that was cool. Uh, I've been thrift shopping quite a bit with movies lately. Nice. Um, as physical media seems to be getting out of people's houses, I'm reaping the benefits and getting movies for a buck each. Um, We'll be watching it there, but you can get it on Prime or Vudu for three bucks to rent it or whatever to buy. And uh, in the meantime, um, follow us on social media. I'm at Burke Reviews and Corey. We just talked about this. I'm deleting everything I'm getting at Corey R Star Two R's on the end. And I do uh, please, you know, stay safe. If you feel sick, see a doctor. Uh, stay home. Stay away from other people. Um, this is real guys it is happening and it is scary and we will not get through it if we panic and act like idiots so treat each other well um quote some iconic films uh like bill and ted's be excellent to each other guys uh let's not act like idiots um if you're bored please listen to all of the back episodes of this podcast uh there's five years worth of, of movie club and or no. uh, top five movies we okay. started in 2016 well Ooh. i guess this is year five um but uh yeah we started in 2016 and it's you know we've been doing a lot of these um there's a bunch of back episodes of top five movies and of course there's bamp bloody awesome movie podcast and movie astrology uh, i do with our friend matt um that are all worth listening not not just on this one too i forget we've we've interviewed some cool directors in the past too um, Chris Peckover, who did Better Watch Out. Uh, Tommy Brown, who did uh, Pushing Dead, which is on Prime and you should totally watch. Um, I, I Not enough people have seen that movie. It is so good. Um, and uh, Michelle Alejandro. Miller and Alejandro, um, who's got... Uh, poor Alejandro, his movie was supposed to debut and yeah. it got pushed back because of Alphabet. the virus. Um, so, yeah, guys... Uh, you know, listen to the episode, share them with your friends, tell if you like what we're doing, let them know. Maybe they'll find it. Uh, now's the time to catch up on all of our back episodes. Um, download them now while everything's still working, because who knows what the future holds. But oh my God. Um, in the meantime, uh, we'll be watching movies and we'll be trying to do some reviews still uh, at BurkeReviews.com. So until next time, stay safe and keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast, burkereviews.com.